Welcome to Flowing East and West, the perfectly imperfect journey to a fulfilled life. I'm Ann Roby, an HR advisor and consultant focused on building strong employee engagement and meaningful company culture. And I'm Sherry Essig, an executive and life coach, and I work with people who are done settling for less than success and happiness. So, Anne, we had an episode a few episodes ago on fulfillment, and we talked about a lot of different components of what goes into a fulfilling life. And one of the things that we talked about was the importance of not shooting on yourself. <laughs> and we had a little bit of a chuckle when we used the phrase, right, don't shit on yourself. But as we were talking about what we wanted to do for this episode, we both thought that really diving into this whole idea of shooting on yourself and not shooting on yourself would make a great episode. I think you just like saying shooting on yourself. (laughs) I do kind of like saying it. (laughs) It does remind me of that old commercial about shipping pants, but I digress. So this idea of shooting, even when I say it makes me giggle a little bit, is really interesting because it's so unconscious. It's so a part of our culture, like, oh, you should do this. I should do that. Why am I not doing this? You must do that. And I think what we're talking about is really raising our consciousness around how often we try to should ourselves and even sometimes should other people or other situations. So other than just being fun to say, what is this idea of shooting on ourselves that we're talking about? the term shooting yourself was actually coined by a psychologist. I don't really know how to pronounce his last name. I'm just going to take a crack at it. Apologies if somebody who knows him is listening. But his name is Clayton Barbeau, is maybe how you say it. And what it means is putting pressure on yourself to do something or to be someone based on shoulds. And it also includes shouldn'ts. You know, and it's so interesting because I guess on the surface you and I talk a lot about things like setting goals and being in touch with what we really want and getting clarity on that. But to me, there's a difference between saying something like, I should be working out and I would like to be more healthy. I would like to have more flexibility. I'd like to have more strength. The should be working out more feels very judgmental and like I've already done something wrong before I've even started. And that. I would like statements, I'd like to be healthier, I'd like to be flexible, et cetera, feels more sort of empowering. It's such a good point around the words that we choose to use. I have long believed that the words we choose have a pretty profound emotional impact. And there is something about should that just feels yucky. Like I should, but I'm misbehaving or I should, but I'm a slug or I should, but I'm a terrible person. It's like you've already screwed up and you haven't even started or something. Exactly. And so even for those times where we're using the word kind of carelessly, yeah, I know I should, but I really don't feel like it. And it's not even laden with a whole lot. It's just really helpful to be more mindful. And I don't want to sound like the word police because I really don't mean it that way, but sometimes it is helpful psychologically to be more precise in our language. So let's just say it's a day where you had planned to work out, you're feeling kind of low energy, or I'll just speak in the first person. It's a day I was going to work out, I'm feeling kind of low energy. And what goes through my mind is, yeah, I really should work out. 
and to just notice that and make a choice that, yeah, I had planned to work out today. I just am going to cut myself a break. I don't feel up to it. And it has nothing to do with whether I should or I shouldn't. I'm a grown-up. I'm in charge. Right? I get to do what I want. I'm going to honor the fact I have low energy today or whatever. I have other things going on. And, and it's, that's more honoring. That's more respectful in some ways. Exactly. And much less judging. Judging makes me think about where this actually comes from. I don't know if we've talked about the inner critic before on the, on the podcast. I can't really remember. I don't think we have. But I don't think we have. The, we all have this inner creature, the ugly voice in our head. We all have it at times. Different modalities call it different things. Sometimes you'll hear it as the judge or the inner critic, or some, I heard somebody call it the inner critter the other day. I thought that was funny. But it's really that, that voice of judgment in your head that is constantly questioning if you know what you're doing. In some ways, this inner critic sets itself up as a way to protect yourself as a way to shield yourself from outside forces, if you will, in some ways. Mine really looks like Miranda Priestley from Devil Wears Prada, you know, like florals for spring, groundbreaking. That's, that's <laughs> what, my, what my inner critic sounds like. It's just this very judgy and it's judgy of myself. It's judgy of other people. It's judgy of situations. And like I said, it's rooted in protection, but really ends up just, it can be very debilitating at times. And I think that's where some of the shooting comes from. Oh, I think it's where a lot of the shooting comes from because yeah, I don't really think we come into the world with our inner critics, but they start to develop pretty early. And I think our inner critics get a lot of their cues from what people around us say and what we hear other people say and what we're told is good enough and all kinds of things. Sometimes it's family of origin. Sometimes it's culture. Sometimes it's just bad experiences. Or any experiences. In some ways, what might start is kind of like discernment, which is actually quite helpful. Is it this or is it that? Do I want this? Do I not want that? There's a difference between discernment and this inner critic or judge. And so I totally agree with you. I think all of those things are inputs, but then it kind of develops into a much yuckier version than what started as kind of a good thing. When I am being kind to my inner critic, I think of it as, you know, thank you for keeping me safe. But if I really listen to you too much, you're going to end up just keeping me small. I mean, your comment just made me think about a couple of our guests that we've had that have said very similar things. Do you remember what Darian was talking about when he was on the podcast? Oh, yeah, Darian. And listeners, and if you have not heard Darian's episode, it is definitely worth listening to because he had just a phenomenal love of woodworking, set off on a very traditional career, made a very bold decision to leave his corporate job for mental health reasons. It just was not a healthy place for him to be took up woodworking and on the podcast talked about how he actually had wanted to be a woodworker, but that's not a real job. You can't do that. His story was so lovely because it had really come full circle for him. I think too about Bridget. She's another guest, another great episode to listen to. And she really talked about how music had gotten shut down in her early on. And I can't even remember exactly the reasons why. Not going to swear to it, but I think she was in the eighth grade. She was on stage and 
I believe she had major stage fright or she screwed up in some fashion. I, I don't remember the details, but what I do remember her saying is she was standing there at 13 years old saying, I will never put myself in this position again. I will never do this again. And there's that judge saying, you're not safe, back off from performing. And just to give away the plot here, Bridget has this beautiful voice and has put out many albums now. And she's amazing. You should definitely go listen to her music. But thank goodness she moved beyond that inner critic telling her, never do that again. I think about the impact. Sadly, I lost my father about eight years ago. And he was a guy that would have been far more comfortable in kind of a blue collar sort of setting. My aunt always says he should have owned a diner or something and long hash and bullshitted with customers all day. Instead, you know, it was sort of expected that he go get a quote real job and he never loved it. And frankly, he never totally fit in, but there was this whole, this is what men do and men of a certain, whatever his family's socioeconomic class was or whatever. And it was just expected. Of course you go to college and of course you go get a white collar job. And we worked hard to not go a different direction. He had a wonderful life, but I think about would he have been happier if he hadn't had himself shooting on himself and other people shooting on him as well. I love what you're pointing to because these shoulds and our inner critic, they show up in so many different ways in our life. They show up very broadly, like you shouldn't be a woodworker. That's crazy. This isn't what you went to college for. Can show up in this very broad way about who you should be, but then it also can show up in such specific ways. Like I shouldn't wear this dress would be a really specific example. Or even worse, you shouldn't wear that dress because you're too old for it. Or you are not fit enough to be wearing that dress. Even the way we're talking about, there's just so much judgment versus I am choosing to wear clothes that I really love, or I'm choosing to wear clothes that I feel good in, or I'm choosing clothes because it's a statement and extension of my personality, which is a very, very different vibe than you shouldn't do it because of X, Y, or Z. I really think you and I are both saying that this shooting on yourself and frankly, shooting on others is really just not great for ourselves. And it really takes away our power, our authority. It can put us in the victim seat. And again, like we said at the beginning, it's happening on such a regular basis in a very unconscious way. It can be really hurting us in ways that are frankly, it's not that it's easy to stop it, but bringing more consciousness is a fairly straightforward way of at least tapping the brakes on how much you're shooting on yourselves. This idea of how victim-y it is, it also reminds me of the words can't and have to, which generate a lot of victim energy. I should is maybe a slightly softer version of it, but should, can't, have to, should not, must is another one, has this very much this energy of, I have no agency. Like, it's not up to me. I can't. And very, very, very rarely are these actual statements of fact. Oh, that's a really good point. That's interesting. 
Right. Think about that. And I know we're talking about should, but I want to give an example with have to and can't because it's a little easier is I can't go to my daughter's soccer game because I have to work late. Says who? You're grown up. And why do you have to work late? And a lot of times it's, well, I'm going to disappoint somebody or, well, I feel like I don't have enough done. Or there can be a lot of reasons why you feel like you have to. Nobody is probably forcing you to. I can't go to my daughter's soccer game is, again, I can't because I have to work late. What happens is that we've moved out of this realm of being really honest about maybe I am choosing to work late and then I'm going to come back to should, but maybe I'm choosing to work late because I've got this big project that's due tomorrow and I'm not willing to turn it in late. And so I'm going to choose to miss my daughter's soccer game. But maybe it's, I'm going to choose to go to my daughter's soccer game because, yeah, I'm kind of stressed at work and I have a lot to do, but I'm going to regret not going when I look back on this. Let's say your hours are fixed in some way. My job requires me to work from 2 to 10 p.m. And so I'm going to miss my kid's soccer game. How would you reframe that? Because indeed, I'm required to be at work at that time. So how would you reframe that one? Some of this gets to changing the language for yourself for the psychological impact of it. And so if you're feeling very victimized of, well, I can't, like I have to, I have to work till 10 at night, is to shift that language to, I am in a job where these are my hours. And I would never choose to leave before my shift is over. I wouldn't make that choice. I'm not willing to live with those repercussions. And I don't think it's the right thing to do. And I'm disappointed I won't make the game, but I'm in the circumstances that I'm in. And I would even go further. I like this job and this is what it takes in order to keep this job and continue to be employed. So I guess the point that we're both making here is the, and Sherry said it so beautifully at the beginning, is the importance of language really shifts things and takes you out of that victim well, I'd be there if it just wasn't for my jackass boss. You know, it takes you out of that and it gives agency back. It also keeps you a teeny bit more honest because listen, there are times when you're going to miss the soccer game because your work project, your something or whatever is going to take precedence. But let's be honest about it is it doesn't serve anybody to try to hoist the blame somewhere else. It just leaves you again, feeling like you're somehow a victim or in the backseat in some way. What's really important in what we're talking about here is it very much goes to mindset and emotional impact. I'm not saying you can never use can't again. (laughs) Banish it. Never use it again. (laughs) Because there are times where it's not emotionally impacting you. You know, if somebody says, hey, want to go for a walk at seven o'clock tonight? I may say, oh, I can't. I'm having dinner with my husband. I choose not to walk with you, Sherry, because I will be dining with my husband. Exactly, right? (laughs) We're talking about it in the context of how it makes you feel. And so to bring it back to should, you can apply exactly the same thing to should. I should do this. Well, let's go back to says who. And get more honest on either... I should do this because I want to accomplish this goal. And so I'm going to get my butt off the couch and I'm going to go do what I have said I want to do. Or it's, you know what? I'm a grown up. I get to do what I want. I'm going to cut myself a break. 
but it's to get rid of that feeling of, ugh, ugh, poor me. Exactly. And there are times when you are going to be a slug or you are going to choose not to go to the soccer game. But what we're suggesting is by bringing more consciousness to the language that you're using and figuring out who is in the driver's seat, again, it's going to lead to a more fulfilled life because you then are taking agency over your own life. And it's not all because somebody else is pulling the puppeteer strings, you know, (laughs) making you dance a jig or something. It is all about what am I choosing to do? And so you've said a couple of times how shooting on yourself can actually be harmful. And it's interesting because I hadn't thought about it in that way exactly, because I think sometimes we're so unconscious to it. We don't even know it's hurting us in a way. So how do we start bringing some more consciousness to this? One of the things, and we've talked about this many times, is the power of self-awareness and really cultivating that ability to notice your thoughts, notice your words. And so you know how much I love a 30-day practice or any kind of practice. (laughs) One very simple practice would be to Say for the next 30 days, you're just going to pay attention and make a little tick mark every time you use the word should or must or shouldn't. I don't think anybody ever says mustn't, but it is technically a word. Perhaps if you're like in a Renaissance play or something. Perhaps. So if you are someone who uses mustn't, you can add that to your list. But a little tick mark every time you notice yourself silently or out loud using any of those words. And then at the end of the day, just take a couple of minutes to reflect on, is there some pattern here? Is it happening in certain circumstances? Like what's, what's going on with that? Like all these practices, it's so important, no judgment. And how much I love to say, it's just data. Data's neutral. Data's not good. Data's not bad. Data's just neutral. And so it's to to start to notice, are you seeing any patterns? Does it happen with certain people? Does it happen in certain circumstances? That's a really great starting practice. It's making me think it was actually the song that you found, Sherry, by David Roth. I think it's called Don't Should On Me and I Won't Should On You. Because when you're thinking about how often you're shooting. This episode is really about don't shoot on yourself, but it's also interesting to note how often you're shooting on others. So once we sort of have raised our awareness about how often we are shooting on ourselves or others, what happens next? So the next practice I would recommend is to then do another 30-day practice where every time you notice you are thinking or saying should or shouldn't to reframe it into a choice statement. So I'm just going to keep using the same example of I should go work out, reframe it into a work statement. Either you are or you're not. Put it into the language of choice of I feel like I should get up and go work out, but I'm going to make a choice to not work out tonight. I would even reframe that further. And once you've identified the should is just to drop it all together. I am honoring the fact that I am sleepy. I'm honoring the fact that my favorite Ted Lasso episode is on tonight. I am honoring whatever, and I'm choosing not to work out. And once you identify those shoulds, just get rid of them all together. Reframe it so that you're coming from a place of personal power. It's funny. This makes me think about when 
my niece, Alyssa, was little, like five or six, something like that. And she's 29 now. So this was a long time ago. But she would say all the time to me, you're so lucky to be a grown up. Nobody can tell you what to do. <laughs> Except for yourself. <laughs> I have thought about that so many times since then. And so I think it can be kind of helpful in a funny sort of way to just keep reminding yourself, I'm a grown up. Right. I get to choose what I'm going to do. I think it's so important to have that reframe. It's kind of like when you're learning any new skill, it feels very awkward at first. When I was trying to learn how to play tennis, man, did I suck. Not that I'm fabulous now, but I'm at least competent. And so this is the same thing where we're suggesting these 30 day practices to people. The first step to bring awareness, how many times are you shooting or musting or what have you? And the second part to practice the reframe, like I should work out. Hmm, let me reframe that. I am choosing to work out or I'm choosing not to work out for blah, 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 for whatever reasons. And while that may sound a little like clunky, it's only clunky in that it's a new way of operating and a new way of being. And once you sort of take it on board, we move from the unconscious incompetence more into the conscious incompetence and finally into the conscious competence. I guess finally, finally into unconscious competence. But at any rate, I think this is a really great practice to reduce the amount of shooting on yourself that you have in your life. And to just bring it all the way back to where we started, where we referenced the episode on living a fulfilling life, this is why this matters. The shoulds and the shouldn'ts and the can'ts and the have-tos, they are happiness suppressors. Happiness suppressors. Wait, Mike, drop on that one. Exactly. And so the more we become aware of the ways that we move ourselves away from happiness and away from fulfillment, the more time we get to spend feeling happy and feeling fulfilled. So that's why this matters, not because we are the word police. <laughs> no word police here. Well, I think on that note, that's going to wrap up our episode for today. We really hope you enjoyed it and would love it if you would share our podcast with a friend, give us a rating on iTunes, or post it to your own social media. So we've mentioned on some prior podcast episodes that we were starting to cook up some new offerings, and we are ready to share a little bit about what that offering is going to look like to begin with. We are starting a book group concept for the podcast episodes. And we're really excited about it. We're going to have more information on that soon. But the idea is to give you the opportunity to bring together a few friends and talk about some of the concepts in each of the episodes. And we're really excited about it. So if you are interested in learning more, head on over to flowingeastandwest.com to join our mailing list. We promise we will not spam you. And we are just really, really excited to add in some things that are in alignment with our podcast. Until then, please join us next time for Flowing East and West, the perfectly imperfect journey to a fulfilled life.